Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Well, you know what? I've been so excited to minister today this word. I got to tell you a little bit of a backstory about it, though. It's kind of funny how it worked out. Um, we're part of the Hillsong Network, and so we have. Um, we have a, a portal that we can go into that uh, only if you're part of the network. And you can get some great stuff like leadership uh, podcasts and just their staff, Hillsong staff meetings and some of the stuff that, you know, that, that comes out of there. And it's been a tremendous resource for all of us. It's been amazing. So um, a few weeks ago, I was listening to this podcast on leadership and, and Brian Houston was sharing it. And it just impacted me greatly. And I thought, man, that is so good. That would be so good for a team rally. And so I was preparing, you know, to take some of the principles and, and team rally. And it was just going to be amazing. And last week, ben, Pastor Ben Murray led our team rally. And do you know, he listened to the same podcast and did the same thing. He literally stole it right from, under, 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 from underneath me. I looked at him, I goes, are you kidding me? I've been working on this. And so, you know, the way I looked at it was um, team rallies loss and Sunday service gain. So you're going to get my perspective on this. And uh, <clears throat> I'm taking it in a little bit different direction than Brian Houston took it. But I'll tell you, it's, you're going to, when you leave today, you're going to walk away and go, man, that, that was for me probably. Because I think there's something in this for everybody. So I've entitled the message today, Conflicting Views, Conflicting Views. And what we're going to be talking about today is how uh, two different people can have different views on the same thing, different, what they see is different. And uh, hopefully today it's going to be an encouragement to you of how you look at things. And so uh, to set this up before we get into the word, um, God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He had promised them a portion of land, a territory that was for them. And it wasn't that it w there was a welcome gate open and said, come on in. It, there, it, was, it, was, it was a city that was fortified. It was a land that was inhabited. But um, God said, this is preordained for you to walk in. This is what I'm giving you as an inheritance. And uh, how many know that when God sometimes gives you something, you have to, there's a process in order to get to that point, Right. There might be some wrestling. There might be some things that you struggle with. There might be some things, but God is faithful in the end. And so uh, <clears throat> Moses gathers together uh, some men, and he says, I want you to go in, and I want you to check this place out and let us know what you see. And that's where we're going to pick it up today. So Numbers 13, uh, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. First of all, the thing that catches me right off the, the bat is why would God ask Moses to ask 12 men to go seek out the land? God already knows everything about the land. I think it was to test their faith. I, I, I think it was God... Uh, testing to see if they were with him or they were not with him. If they believed what he said or they didn't believe what he said. I, I believe that's what was happening here. In verse 18 of Numbers 13, it says, uh, Moses said, See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. 
See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are, are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you see, for it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they come back. There's 12 of them. They come back. These are all leaders of Israel, but they have conflicting views of what they just saw. And this was because of the way that most of them chose to see things. Are you going to be a person who's guided by fear, or are you going to be a person who's guided by faith? That's the $10,000 question today. Ten of them came back, and they missed out on the purposes of God because of the way that they chose to look at it. And so we're going to be talking about that today, of how we're looking at things and how we choose to see things. And, and my prayer today is that your faith will be encouraged today. And if you are living a life ruled by fear, my prayer is that you make that shift today in your thinking and your mind. Say, yeah, I'm going to start trusting God on what he says, even when I can't see it, especially when I can't see it. So how can you miss out on the purposes of God for your life? How can you miss out? I'm going to give you five ways that you can miss out on the purposes of God for your life. Number one, you can miss out when you are ruled by the way you see. When you are ruled by the way you see. So in verse 23, these, the 10 of them said, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. But we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. We saw giants. That's what they chose to see. The interesting thing about life is that the way we see is usually built on what we're looking for. The ten of them looked at the giants in front of them and couldn't see anything else. Two of them looked through the giants that they saw and saw what God had promised them. I wonder how different life would be for you and I if that thing that we're facing... If, if instead of focusing on that so much, if you and I would start shifting our gaze and looking through it, looking past it, and seeing what God is telling us on the other end. Moses then asked six questions of these 12 men, and, and, and we're going to intermingle these questions uh, today. So Moses said to them one of the first questions, he said, what was the land like? What was the land like? And everyone agreed it was awesome. So verse 23 says they came to the valley of Eshcol and they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. That's a big cluster of grapes. They also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshcol, which means cluster because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, and Aaron, Moses, Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And they hand him this big cluster of grapes. They all saw the potential. 
in the land. They all saw the potential in what God promised them, but 10 of them refused to take the risk and rejected their future that God had for them. You know, most of us like to live safely. And I'm not saying to be unwise with anything, but we like to live safely. And, and, and we, we hate change. We, we like to be comfortable. And we, like to, we like to be living in that which is familiar to us. And we, we hate ever thinking outside of that. But this is the thing. The will of God never comes without risk. It never comes without stepping out of our boat or our comfort zones. Stepping out into something that's unfamiliar. See, we're designed and we're wired to function at our best. There has to be the ability to take a risk, to step out of our boat, to step out of our comfort zone. The truth is living in a box is no way to live your life. But see, not all of them in this group had the same attitude. This is what God said about Caleb. He said, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude. Turn to someone and say different attitude. Say to that person, you need a different attitude. No, I'm just kidding. You just probably just offended somebody. But that's on you. You shouldn't always do what you're told. So Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. See, this is the thing about people that are guided by faith and not fear. People that are guided by faith understand that they're going to make decisions now that will impact generations to come. Their children will possess this land. Another way you can miss out on the purposes of God for your life is when you're ruled by your weakness. When you're ruled by your weakness. Moses asked another question. He said, are the people strong or weak? Are the people strong or weak? So the ten, the ten guys said this. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anach. Verse 32 says, so they spread this bad report among the land, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Do you think that they were kind of embellishing this a little bit? We're all like that, man. I mean, we're, we, we take a situation, we make it so much more. I totaled my car. I totaled my car, and the license plate holder is broken laying in the driveway. I totaled it. You should see it. We, we, we like to embellish, and that's exactly what they were doing. The way we see and perceive things will make all the difference. Caleb, though, had an entirely different perspective, an entirely different attitude, an entirely different report. He said, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Are you ruled by your weakness? Or are you keenly aware of God's strength in your life? We've all got weakness. We've all got 
uh, liabilities. We've, we've all got things in our life that, that, you know, we're not good enough at or whatever. We've all got, we've all got things like that. But do, do those things rule us or do we understand the principle that when we are weakest, he is strongest in our lives? I'm glad it's not based on our own strength because compared to some of you, I would never be able to to even live this life because you're so much stronger in the Lord than I am. You're so much stronger in a lot of ways. And, and you, 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 when you compare yourself to someone else, you can feel fragile. You can feel like there's no way I should be able to. I'm glad it's not based on our own strength. It's based on his strength working through us. In fact, I think that it's better when, when we have, when we're just about drained and have nothing. That's when God says, okay, let me show you what I can do. We were just talking in the, in the, with the worship team before the first service, and, and, you know, we were talking about how, you know, some weeks you don't feel like being up here. You don't feel like leading worship. You don't feel like singing. And they were saying how, how drained they felt, but, but this is what was said in the conversation. We, we, we just feel really wiped out and tired, but we know God's going to do something great today. I'm like, that should be the norm, right? The moment I, I am ruled by my weakness... I'll never take the risks that I could possibly take, and I'll never fulfill my capacity or the potential God has for me. What are areas of weakness that you might struggle with? Uh, it could be a lot of things. It could be, well, I don't, I don't have enough money, or I, I, I'm not good enough at that, or others are better uh, than me at that thing, or, or I'm not gifted like everyone. There, there might be a lot of weaknesses. It might be a, a lot of things. The thing is this. Your weakness is your strength. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. Amen. <clears throat> that was kind of a time-delayed thing. That was just kind of like the wave. That's, that's what you call peer pressure. I better clap because they were clapping all around us. So. Another way that you can miss out on God's preordained destiny for your life, God's purpose for your life, is when you're ruled by the way you feel. I don't know about you, but I can't trust my emotions because they're all over the place. And so this is what they said, the ten of them. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Say we felt like. We felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. I want to go back to something that the Apostle Paul wrote. And this is so cool. This is going to help someone here today. He said, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. Isn't that good? I believe comparison plays into that big time where, where, you know, being ruled, you know, how you feel. I mean, 
it's it's crazy um, when you start getting your eyes off your lane and you start looking at everyone else's lane and you start realizing that the things that they have that you don't have, whether it's ability, gifting, talent, money, uh, uh, success, whatever it is. When you start focusing on everyone else around you, you will always come up short. Comparison is horrible. You should never do it because you are uniquely made and crafted to be, to be the way you are. It took me many years to not compare myself to other pastors because other pastors are far more gifted and far more... A lot smarter than I am, and they're more schooled. And uh, you know, I would I would get very uh, intimidated in my in my in my own self, and 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 really start to struggle. And it wasn't until probably ten or fifteen years ago I just got comfortable in my own skin. This is who I am, and I'm not going to try to be anyone else. This is me. And I tell you, the, the 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 moment that you can get into that place in your life where you're not trying to compare yourself to anyone else, you're not running a race with someone who has no idea they're running the race with you. You are running your own race, and you're becoming the person that God has called you to be. This group is so much more fun to preach to than the 9 a.m., I'm telling you. You can miss out on God's purposes for your life when you're ruled by what others think. can't be ruled by what everyone else thinks. You need to surround yourself with people that you can listen to that will build you up and not tear you down. People that have earned that right in your life. You know, there's always going to be naysayers. I, I shared in our first service how when I was preparing for this, I was thinking back. There, there's something in my DNA, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why I think this way. Uh, I don't know if it's a defect or a positive thing. I still haven't figured that out yet. But, like, when I'm told that I can't do something, like it's impossible, something in me digs down and says, oh, yeah? I'm going to dig down. I'm going to show you. I just, that's just something in me, man. It's just crazy. I've been that way since I was a kid. And my grandkids are just like that. It's so crazy. And, uh, and so um, I, I was thinking back of, you know, uh, coming to Christ in 1981 you know, and God delivered me from, you've heard my story, from alcohol and drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and by, by the spring of 1983, which is not that long, I, I, I tell my, my father who I was working for, uh, Dad, I, I, I need some time off, like four years. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Bible college. And he's like, what? And I remember everyone in my life at that time thought I was nuts. Why are you going to Bible college? I mean, I'm the least likely candidate. And, uh, and I just felt like God had spoke to me to go. And, um, and so my father was gracious enough uh, to, to let me go. And I remember packing, I had a little Monza Spider. I packed that thing up, and I hopped in, the, I hopped in my car and drove 1,300 miles by myself to uh, Lakeland, Florida. And never had been to the college. That was, it was long before the days of Internet. All I had was a brochure with a palm tree on it and a chapel. That's all I had. Like, that's where God's calling me. I don't even have to pray about this. This is God, the will of God for my life. And I drove down there by myself. I, it was the scariest time of my life and the most exhilarating time of my life. And it was during that season of my life being there that God, I felt like God really solidified the call in my life to be a pastor. And so fast forward, several years later, uh, we, 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 we are getting ready to pack up and, and move to New Jersey to plant a church and go into church planting. And literally... Um, you know, there was no income, there was no, really no support, there was no, uh, 
medical, nothing. And, and everybody in our lives, all of our leadership in our church, everybody said we were doing the wrong thing, that we were stepping out of the will of God. And yet I knew there was something in my heart that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was in it. And there was only one or two people in my life that, that said, you know what, I, I believe this is the will of God. But it, there was a whole host of voices that were coming against us who later, years later, said, you know what, you were right, we were wrong. And I was like, yes, I love when that happens. doesn't happen that often with me, but I love when that happens. Um, and, then, and then, you know, even fast forward some more, like 10, 12 years ago, and we started, when the harbor started to shift, and we started to make, uh, we were intentional about raising up the millennials that were coming behind us and making uh, changes and, you know, just, just creating an environment that unchurched people and millennials, and now there's this Gen Z generation that are coming behind them, that they would feel comfortable worshiping God and, and that we would make room for them to lead and serve. And I remember the pushback and the fighting and the, everything that, that we went through, the naysayers. If I had a nickel for every letter and email that was sent to me telling us how we were going in the wrong direction and doing the wrong thing. And, but I knew that God had spoken. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Um, you, you need to know who to listen to. You need to know who to listen to. And if you're thinking crazy and you're off, then that same person will lovingly speak into your life and keep you. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that everything's always a yes. I'm just saying if you're weird and crazy, they're going to tell you that. But, but, uh, but, but, it, but if, you, if you have a passion in your heart for God and you want to do what God wants, uh, surround yourself with people that will speak into your life. Um, Third question Moses asked was, um, are there few or many? Caleb says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once and take the land. We can, everyone say we can. We can certainly conquer it. That was Caleb. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. One says we can one say, says we can. I believe that God wants us to be a can-do people. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. I want to start being a can-do person and not I can't all the time. Another question uh, Moses asks, is the place good or bad? Numbers 14 says, why? This is the, this is the 10. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Oh, yeah, that always works great. Bad idea. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude as, than the others have. He has remained loyal to me so that I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. God then responds to the ten. And he says, you said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness. Man, I, <laughs> that's not a great conversation for those ten guys. God says, you're going to drop dead in this wilderness. And for you and I today, that would be, we, would be, we would be dead to the purposes of God. And your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In the same way, they will pay for your faithlessness 
until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. There's a price to pay being ruled by a life of fear and not by a life of faith. The fifth question, are there walls or open fields? Because we all know that walls uh, were uh, protected a city against attack. And the ten said, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. There's walls. Caleb says, don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Caleb was seeing the same walls as they were, but Caleb's like, oh, those walls are nothing. They're, they're literally unprotected. Why? Because Caleb knew that he was not fighting that battle alone. That's the difference. Let me ask you this. Do you see obstacles in front of you or opportunities? What are some walls that you see as you're stepping out into the purposes of God in, in your life? Because you know the moment that you make a decision to step and move forward in God, there's going to be walls. What, what do you see? And, and I want to encourage you to look through those walls and not just look at them. This, the other question, uh, is the soil fertile or poor? The ten said, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Caleb said, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, uh, tore their clothing, and they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Completely differing views, conflicting views, they all saw the same thing, but they all came out with two different perspectives. And isn't that like life? If our worship band would come out, and I'm going to have our hosts come, and we're going to distribute communion at this time, I want to just close with the fifth way that you can miss out on God's purposes for your life. The fifth way, and that is basically this, when you refuse to own it. When you refuse to own it. So the ten got together and said this said they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Isn't it funny the way human nature is that when, when things go wrong, you have to find someone to blame it on? <laughs> it's always the pastor. I'm just telling you, it's always, the, it's always his fault, always. It's always the worship team. Sorry, I'm picking on you. Well, the, the, I just don't like the songs they're singing anymore. You know, it's always something. Well, my marriage is not as good as it could be because of my husband or because of my wife. We always blame it on someone else. God said, um, God said, what happened? And what did Adam say? The wife you gave me ate the fruit. He left out the fact that said that, well, Adam that was with her ate it. We, we want to blame, you know. So this is the thing. This could have been an incredible teaching moment for those ten, right? They were leaders. They, they were leaders. And they, they could have said, you know what? Our faith has been a little weak and a little shaky, but we're going to rely on what God said, and, and this could have been an incredible teaching moment. The reality is this, friends. There's times that you don't have enough faith to get through that thing yourself. And you need to rely on someone else's faith. 
There's times I, I might not have the faith for something, but I'll talk to one of you, and man, the words that you say or just knowing that you're praying just builds my faith enough where I can get through that thing. That's why the body is so important to stick together. These 10 could have said, you know what? We don't have the faith to do this, but we trust Caleb and Joshua. We're, we're going we're gonna to vote yes. But they didn't. They refused to listen. And it cost them in the end. It cost them dearly. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.